in a new day, God does continuous things. They're new to us, but they're continuous to God. How many of you know God doesn't sleep or slumber? So if somebody doesn't sleep or slumber, it means they're doing something. You know, God doesn't sleep. Can you imagine not sleeping? I can't. I can't, sl- I can't imagine not sleeping. At some point, I'm getting old now, and you know, in the afternoon, I find myself, granddad needs to nod. It, it, it's, it's a God-given gift to power down and, and to sharpen up the battery somewhere in the afternoon. You just need a 10, 15 minutes. No, I'm back in the game again, and then I can go. So, you know, I'm not invincible, but a good power nap's good for you. And um, because I have to sleep at some point. But, but then when I sleep, I can go for hours and hours and hours. But God doesn't sleep, and I'm glad he doesn't sleep, because if he slept, we'd be in trouble. And, uh, and he doesn't, you know, it's not that he doesn't know what's going on. He knows what's going on. So that's, that's good. And that means because he doesn't sleep, he's always at work. He's always working. He's doing far more behind your back than you can ever imagine. He's, he does far more behind our back than he ever does in front of our face. If you know God, you know what God's up to, to some degree. Yeah? God doesn't tell you everything. Yeah? But God wants to say some things to you, but he doesn't tell you everything he knows. Last week I read from Song of Songs, which is Song of Songs chapter 8, verse 5. And it says, under the apple tree. Under the apple tree I aroused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Under the apple tree, I roused you. There your mother conceived you. There she who was in labor gave you birth. Now, some time ago, when I was learning to hear God, getting to hear God's voice, I'd go, all, I'd go through all kinds of things struggling, trying to hear the voice of God. And when I did hear the voice of God, I wasn't sure it was the voice of God. I thought it was the, God of my, I thought it was the voice of my own imagination. All of us at some part, at some part of our life, when we're trying to hear the voice of God and trying to discern the voice of God, we're not quite sure whether it's just my imagination or it's God. Is that true? And I remember going in Asda supermarket, and I on a Monday, I Carol and I go shopping and we have breakfast together, and it's it, the morning is just our morning. And then when I go into Asda, any guy knows that you're just, the sh- you're just what we call the trolley dolly. You're pushing the trolley, the wife's doing the shop and you're following. And then she says to me, stay here. You stand there waiting while she just goes. I mean, we're talking about the, the one down at the Etihad. So it's a big store. And she leaves me there, stood there, waiting while she wanders off. And, she's po- and then she expects me to know where she is. This is called Marriage 101. And women, see, I won't let my wife use the trolley because my wife has not understood shopping at supermarkets are like motorways. She just pulls out on a junction, Carol. She just comes out of one aisle, across the aisle, and knocks all the people down. I say, Carol, this is a give way sign, darling. There's people here. You've got to stop and give way because there's people just wandering around like that. True? But not Carol, boom, boom. It's like going temping bowling with her. She just knocks everybody down. So I say, look, give me the trolley. You do the shopping, I will follow. So she wanders off and I'm sat there and I'm stood there for 10 minutes thinking, where's she gone? 
She's wandering around and she comes back saying, where have you been? Never mind where I've been. I am where you last told me to stand, here. But in that old journey, I began to hear the voice of God. Well, I'm stood there doing nothing, God thought. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll talk to the old man. So God begins to speak to me and and they come as loud, impressionable thoughts. When God begins to speak, it comes as sharp, predominant thoughts, right? So I'm stood there and I'm hearing these, these um, not voices in my head, don't think I'm going crazy, but I'm having these thoughts. And later on, I begin to get them confirmed and I begin to realize this is how God speaks to me. So on for me, this is just me speaking. On a Monday, God comes looking for me. Because I'm in a place where he can get my attention. Because I'm unplugged. Anybody listening to supermarket music knows that it's awful. So God kind of tunes me in to his radio station and begins to speak to me. So I can, God has spoke to me many, many times in Asda. And I remember teaching this in one of our classes we had. And this lady thought, okay, that's how God speaks to you. I'm going to Asda. So she goes to Asda, and then she comes back, she says, I went to Asda. I said, what do you go to Asda for? To hear God. <laughs> I said, what do you go to? She said, well, you said he speaks to you in Asda. So I said, yeah, he speaks to me in Asda. She said, he didn't speak to me in Asda, so what did you do? I went to Sainsbury's. <laughs> so I said, and, I, and I, I enjoyed her enthusiasm that she wanted to hear God, and she thought, well, if God speaks to people in Asda, he'll speak to her, and God can speak to us anywhere. It's not a question of Asda. Don't all be going to Asda thinking God's going to speak to you. God can speak to you on the way to Asda, and he can say to you, go to Aldi. Now, God hasn't spoke to me in Sainsbury's, and God hasn't spoke to me in Aldi. He speaks to me in Asda. Now, I don't know why, but he does. Right? So if you see me in, in Asda and I'm looking up to the heavens, don't think I'm being spiritual. I'm just wandering around, minding my own business, waiting for my wife to turn up. <laughs> and in the meantime, I might have a conversation with the Lord. I just might start singing under my breath. I've written loads of songs in Asda. I've had the ideas for books in Asda. I've had the ideas to have conversations with people in Asda. Asda seems to be my... Breeding ground for creativity and thought. But it's not yours. It's mine. God always is trying to bring us into a new season. But he needs a place. And in this scripture, she talks, or he talks about the apple tree. The apple tree was there as the. Yeah? Now, I'm not saying we all go out and plant apple trees. What I'm saying is we need a place where God can speak to us. And as there is my place where my brain is unplugged and I'm just pushing a trolley. Does that make sense? I'm not spiritual. I'm not thinking spiritual. In fact, I'm thinking more carnal. Natural. You know? And I'm just pushing a trolley. But God needs you and I to find a place where God can start dialoguing with you. And you can start dialoguing with God. Now, when we try to hear the voice of God, we try many places. Some might try on a bus on the way to work in the morning. A train. Don't try it in a car if you're driving and close your eyes. Don't do it. 
But some people will try and do it on a bus or a car, on a train. Why? Because they try to use the time on the way to work. That's probably not the best place. Because you need a place of intimacy. You need a place of quiet. You need a place where you can shut noise out, other people out. And you say, well, you're in Asda. I know. I know. But I've just been able to shut people out. I get in trouble for that, would be wise sometimes, for shutting her out. But that's just my place. Don't use my analogy for where you are, because it's different for all of us. But God does want you to have a place and find a place where God can begin dialoguing with you. Why? Because God wants to get intimate. God does not want to get intimate in the public places. There's a private place. You say, well, what about in church? Well, even in church, your heart is private. You might be, if we're all stood there worshipping the Lord, but inside your heart and mind, that's a private place. Dave can't read my thoughts. I can't read Dave's thoughts. I don't want to read his thoughts. He doesn't want to read my thoughts. Why? Because my heart and mind is private between me and the Lord. Yeah? So even in a public place, you can be private, but on a bus, how would you stand up and just start worshipping the Lord? very difficult. They all think you're, you're going to be nutters and they're going to throw you off. So the apple tree is a very significant place because it's a place where intimacy in your relationship with God is first discovered. You have to find this place, folks. You have to find it. And I'm encouraging you to find it, whether it's walking the dog on a field, whether it's pushing the, the, uh, the baby in the pram, find your apple tree, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, so that you can begin this journey. Because in this place, you begin to get the affections of God's heart. It's where God begins to speak to you about him and where God begins to speak to you about you. And where God begins to speak to you about you and him. So he'll speak to you about him. He'll speak to you about you. And he'll speak to you about you and him in your relationship. And he'll speak to you about other people as well. But it's a place that if you didn't discover, because we live in a noisy, busy world. From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep, we're in a busy world. Our world's demanding. If you have children, they're demanding. If you have a responsible job, it's demanding. It's very difficult to get R&R, as we call it. But you must find that place in the spirit of God. And because God wants to get the affections of your heart and he wants, to, he wants you to know things. You know, God, when young David, as a shepherd boy, right, a king, a warrior, he was many, many things. But where did God train David? He trained David on the hillside, in the desert, wherever he was. That was the place. David was just being natural, tending sheep. But that's where he learned to write. That's where he learned to sing. That's where he learned to hear God. That's where he learned so many things about God. That's what made him. That, that hillside, that countryside, that wilderness, desert, country hillside, if that makes sense, in Israel, that's what made David. And God used that empty space to speak to him. And David um, realized that and it became a sacred place and a precious place to him. To hear the voice of God. So that's why David writes Psalms. That's why David writes so many things. That's why David was one of the greats. Because he heard the voice of God. And God made David in that place. And God wants you to find that place. Because it's in that place God will make you. 
God does not make you inside church. Oi, that sounds religious heresy. No, that's the truth. God does not make you inside the church. God might give you a gospel. He might give you a word in church. He might, get, he might empower you in church. He might encourage you in church. He might heal. He might deliver you. But he does not make you. God makes you in the secret place, in the private place. Read your Bible. Every man or woman that God ever made, spiritually, character-wise, temperament-wise, Gifting-wise, he did it in the personal, private place. Because God must have access. Where did Moses meet God? Up the mountain. Where did Joshua meet God? Up the mountain. So God is trying to get, get the, uh, the message to us that, guys, find your apple tree. This is the time in this house for you to come aside with God. Because God is about to do many things through this house with you. You can, you can keep ignoring. You can keep on with your life the way it is. Absolutely. But at some point, you're going to get frustrated with life. You're going to get disillusioned. That's why when we read this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, pay more careful attention. Not just pay attention. Pay more. What kind? More effort. And careful attention so that you do not drift away. So if we have to pay more careful attention, the threat is we'll drift. And drift is a direction. Yes? And drifting has consequences. But if we pay more careful attention to what God is saying now, we understand there's a reason why God is telling us that now. Yes? And in this place, the apple tree, in your Asda, your, your mountain or your whatever it is you find, there you will find God will begin to speak to you at a level that you never thought was possible. It's true. So the apple tree is a very, very significant place. David thought it was tending sheep, but God was teaching David how to be a shepherd. How to lead people, how to love people, how to fight for people. Yeah, sheep was his training ground. Sheep was his training ground. Yeah? And then the word roused, in that scripture from Song of Solomon, uh, it roused you. Roused means, remember last week I told you the difference between roused and aroused? The difference between aroused is to make you feel nice. But the, the purpose of to be roused is to wake you up. Now, God's not asleep. So God doesn't have to be woken up. But you and I have to be woken up because we get ourselves into certain postures, thinking uh, frame, sorry, mindsets. We get into emotional cycles, psychological cycles, and we get ourselves in a mess. And those thoughts are like trains. They can take you places. And they can take you far away from where you want to go. So we've got to make sure before we get on board with a thought, we've got to be careful it doesn't take us to the wrong place. Yeah? So and we've got to guard our thoughts, and we've got to make sure that if God wakens us up, he wakens us up to something. He wakes us up to know something, to go deeper. He wakes us up for a purpose. Not just to wake you up. 
You know, it's not like, you're just, um, it's like your mum says, get up, you've got to, you know, you've been in bed too long. Or get up, you've got to go to school. Or get up, you've got to go to work. There's always a purpose behind why your parents tell you to get up. And it's normally the longer you're in bed, there's a little bit of abuse that goes behind it. But here God, when he wakes somebody up, it's to make the word rouse means to wake you up to something or make you more excited. God's trying to take us to a new level in our relationship with God. Whatever your level, your relationship is at, God wants to take you to the next level. You would, these five young people, in one week, were taken to a new level. Now, we all know, in one place, great things start, but great things need to continue. And the whole idea of taking them to that place so that they would be woken up and they would come to a new place, now that teaching what we do next door with them will help them make that journey. But we can't make that journey for them. But what we can do is give them what they need. Yes? And that's what we're trying to do. So now some of them have been woken up, which is great to hear some of these guys. I've never heard them speak. And I saw Jack and I saw Lasagio. I mean, I've never, I mean, Jack, I've spoken to him many times, but I've never even heard Lasagio. I didn't even know what he sounded like. And. I'm hearing him, and then I'm seeing him worship, and I'm going, because I'm sat on this side, and there on the front, and I could see him entering, and I'm thinking, whoa. Because on the plane, he's freaking out. He is freaking out at flying. Ah! He's screaming. And we're all laughing, because we thought it was funny. The poor boy's having a panic attack there, because the plane's flying. And then he lands, and he's, he's in a new place. And you're thinking, wow, this lad has had transformation. It's really good to see. And then Jack, and then, so when you, at the end of the EYC, when certain guys get up to say something, you're thinking, didn't expect you. Didn't expect her. Didn't expect them. Didn't expect anything. And then all of a sudden, God's doing far more behind your back than he's doing in front of your face. And it's great to see people being arrested. I don't mean physically arrested, spiritually arrested, woken up. It's a beautiful thing to see. Now, if we can just get to the adults. I'm playing with you there. So what areas would you... See, the question I asked you last week, and I'm going to ask you again this week, because it's, it's such a good question. It deserves more attention. What areas do you feel you need to be woken up in your life? There's areas in all our lives. I am so consciously conscious... That I am ignorant in some areas. I'm not unconsciously un- uh, unconscious. I know that there are things I don't know. If you ask me about thermonuclear physics, I don't know and don't want to know. You want, you want to talk to me about biology? I know some things about biology, but that's as far as it goes. And then there's other times when God begins to speak to you about some things and he says, Tony, we need to upgrade you in that area. Now it's the time for you to learn more about that area that you know a little in, but I need you to know a lot more. Why? Because where I'm taking you and how I'm going to use you will determine how much you, can know, how much you know in that area. I find myself, when I came into the ministry, I find myself reading books I never ever thought I would read. Why? Because when you're dealing with people, you have to have a good knowledge of life. 
It's amazing. I have never, bec- I am not a financial director. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not an electrician. I'm not a psychologist, but it's amazing how many people come to me for advice in those areas. It's amazing. So I have to, I have to understand you. And in understanding you, understand me. I have to understand how a person thinks, how a person, why the person does what they do. The why question has always fascinated me because it's led me on a voyage of discovery. And in the why, I've read books, I've listened, I've learned, I've become a student so I can help people. Now, if God wants to use your life, do you not think helping people is involved? Of course it is. But if you only study in your work to become qualified in your work, how narrow is that? God might want to use you outside of your work sphere. Because inside your workplace are real people with real issues. You may not have to leave your company to help people, but you might have to change what you know about people. Does that make sense? So God needs to wake us up. There's areas where I am. Here we go. Ready? Dumb. Numb. Yes? There's areas where I'm dumb. I should know, but I don't know. There's areas where I'm numb. In other words, I've, I've lost sensitivity in. And God needs to breathe on me to awaken me, to make me sensitive towards certain things. You need to be woken up so you become sensitive to certain areas and ways that the Holy Spirit moves and sensitive to certain people, or let's just say certain lacks within people around you. When you see there is a lack in certain people around you, you will then begin to ask God or you'll begin to study to then hopefully bring what's lacking into that environment. Does that make sense? There's great, great lack within Tameside. Now, we can't supply all that lack, but we can supply some lack. Now, it's up to us to find out, God, where can we supply the lack. We may have to go and get a whole new education to go and supply that lack. But God says, it's in you, Dream Center, to go and supply that lack. Well, we don't know anything. Well, go and learn. Go and listen. Go and talk to people. Go and watch, observe. Find out what pleases the Lord. That's what your Bible says. So that's the point where we're at. This is why we're entering into a new season. God wants to awake us. And this is the point we're at right now. It's amazing how many people in our nation who pray for revival are praying that God wakes the world up, but not them. Lord, arrest them. Wake them up. Lord, we pray for a great awakening, but don't start with us. I've got this great, great uh, illustration on my computer. It's a cartoon. And I kept meaning to bring it down and show it you. And it's got a picture of all these people stood behind a door. And they're pushing the door. And there's about six or seven of them. And there's one person on the outside and it represents Jesus. And the voice inside says, don't let him in. He's going to change everything. We cannot be those seven people 
resisting God, trying to come in and change everything. He's coming in to wake us up. Now, institutional Christianity does not want, does not like, does not think it needs change. Well, they're in trouble because everything around them is changing. And they're the ones who's being left out. So what areas in your life do you need waking up in? What areas are you numbing? And what areas would you consider yourself as dumb? Maybe dumb might sound an offensive word. It's not meant to be offensive. I know I'm ignorant in some areas. Change that word dumb to ignorant then, if it offends you. I know there are so many areas in life I am ignorant in. But that in a time and in a season... What I didn't need to know then, I now need to know here. Yeah, and what I knew that over there, I don't need to know over here. Why? Because every time and every season has a different way of working. But if you don't know your time and your season, how do you know what's required of you? So we must be very careful. So we, the first thing he comes to do is rouse us to wake us up. Yes? Romans 13, 11 says, and do this, he's saying, understanding the present time, the, how, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is near, is nearer now than we first believed. How many of you know that when you first gave your life to Jesus and today your salvation is nearer? Last week, Dorothy, salvation was a lot nearer than she thought. Now her salvation has come. Now she's in the presence of the Lord. She was saved. She was being saved. Now she's fully saved. Yes? The process is over for her now. There's no more. She's lived her life. She can't go back and change anything. It's, that's it. You're alive. As long as you're alive, you can go back and change some things, not everything. And what you can't change, you must let go and carry on. What can change, you go back and change. What you can't change, you maybe have to pray about it and give time and space. Maybe God has to work on your behalf. But while God's doing that, you must still carry on. You must carry on. So God's waking us up. So he says, understand the present time. Understand the day you're in, church. The hour has come. What hour? The hour for you to wake up. If you wake me up at 6 o'clock and I don't need to be up till 8 o'clock, how many of you know you woke me up two hours early and I'm now annoyed? Yes? But when you wake me up at 7 o'clock and I needed to get up for 7 o'clock, I'm now on time. I'm aware that even though I don't like the sound of the alarm clock, I know it's my time to get up. And every minute I delay, I know I potentially put myself in trouble. True? That's called life. But if, you, if you're so manana, time doesn't mean anything, drifting, guess what? You cannot live life like, like that. <laughs> well, some people do, yeah. How would you ever meet anybody? How would, you ever, how would you ever get a bus if you don't know what time is? Time is a good thing. It's not your enemy. But what time does need is management. Yes, and you can't get time back. We all get 24 hours. True? How many hours? Did you, did you get any more than me yesterday? No. It's just like we all have a Bible. 
Now, Emma's Bible's thinner than mine. Just give me that a minute. Don't lose your It's thinner. But has it got the same information in? Well, it can't be because mine's bigger. No, it's got the same information in. Right? Has she got access to the same God? Of course she has. So she's got the same God, the same Bible. But do we have the same relationship? Ah, that's a different thing. Why is it different? Because it's based on my desire. Based on my heart being open and Emma's heart being open. Yes? She might know more than me, but I might know God better than her. So Ephesians 5.13 says, But everything exposed to the light becomes visible. For it, it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it said, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So in this time, in this time of finding the apple tree, the light gets brighter. The light begins to shine in that place. Why? Because God wants you to see that it's, it's the light that makes everything visible. If you're numb in some areas, you need light to show you where you've been in darkness. Yeah? It's amazing when we turn the light on. Light on. See, in the, more, in the middle of the night, if you have to go to the toilet and you haven't got an ensuite bathroom, the last thing you want to do is turn the light on. Because your eyes are not focused and you'll wake everybody up. And if you sleep next to my wife, you don't turn the light on. You'll meet Jesus if you turn the light on. <laughs> right? You don't. I can't even read at night. Any spot of light in our bedroom, Carol, ah! So I have to read downstairs. And then, game over. So what you learn to do when you go to the toilet, you learn to walk by memory. It's true. It's true. And then you walk in our bathroom. And walk in our bathroom and, I could, and you've got to navigate round our stairs. Right? And you get into our bathroom and you go to the toilet and Carol has one of these footboards where she gets out the bath so you don't stand on the floor and make it wet. You stand on these floorboards. And this board gets me every flipping time. And it wakes me up. Because you get your, t- you know, you stub your toe and you get, and you start speaking in tongues. In the middle of the night. And then you get back in bed. But now you might, you're wide awake. We all need the light. God doesn't expect you to walk in the dark by memory. But there are small times, small journeys, you might have to go by like that. I keep saying, honey, let me turn the light on. No. How dare you? This voice comes out. (laughs) So we see that under the apple tree there is a place. We see that there is a place to be roused. Woken up. The next thing we see... There's the word called conceive. To become pregnant with the seed. To cause a baby to begin to form. Or to conceive may have something to do with your imagination, a thought. You begin to invent, you begin to plan. You begin to see things from what you plan and think about, yes? See, the problem is this with with conception is this, is that 
if you won't carry heaven's seed, then you can't carry heaven's child. Hello? If you won't carry and you refuse to carry heaven's seed, then you cannot carry heaven's child or you cannot develop heaven's child that is alive in you. This is how serious this is. For every time, you see, I could be walking with the Lord, I can be in good relationship, good fellowship with other people, and I'm walking. But how many of you know, if new things are to come out of my heart and your heart, there has to be a fresh conception. There has to be a fresh pregnancy. So I, or we, let's use that phrase, we have the potential to birth many things. So as I said this last week to you, well, one thing may be in its infant stage, there's other aspects in your life that are a mature stage. Some things in your life are more closer to birth over here, but there are some things over here when you just, you've just had the news, you're now pregnant. You're aware you're carrying something new here, but you're bringing birth to other things over here. And that's the dimension of the Holy Spirit living inside every one of us. You are, you are capable of producing many, many things. True? You are capable of producing many, many, many things. It's not just one. Inside you is all of heaven. It came to you in seed form. But seed, you think, well, it's just a seed. But no, if you can water and see that grow and let it become awakened inside you, all that's in you. From one seed, you can get a forest. It's not how, it's not how, many, how many wood, uh, how many, the wood you see through the trees, it's how many boats, chairs, and houses you see. In a forest, there's not just trees. There's boats, there's houses. Yes? What do you mean? There's boats and... What can you make from wood? Houses, boats, all kinds of things, furniture. So it's not just some people see, I see a forest. Others see, I see opportunity. Now what we might need then is an axe to go and cut them down. That's another technology. But there is capability. We have now seen what can be. When 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 we conceive... And become pregnant, we now see the future. And this is why we need to. This is what the Bible. Let me give you another word for future. You ready for this? You all know it. It's the word called hope. Hope is what creates a future. Where there is no hope, there is no future. The Bible talks about hope constantly. The future hope. So, how does the future, how does the hope. Growing us through seeds. I have great hope for our future because I see seeds in this house. I saw five just a minute ago. Now, we know, we've all been young. Now I'm OLD. ER. I'm just now older. I'm not old, I'm just breaking down that word. If you say old, it sounds old, but if you say OLD... Or O-L-D-E-R, I'm older, right? So I know that I'm not quite old. The point is, these young people don't realize that seed will come under attack. We know it comes under attack. Why? Because we 
also have been where they are and we know the seeds in our life also are under attack. Well, under attack from where? Well, from your own thoughts, from your own friends, from the media. Look all around you. From your own appetites, your own desires. Everything that God puts inside us is potentially can be attacked. That's why you must guard and pay more attention. So you don't drift. So you protect what God's put inside you because the moment you lose your future, you lose your hope. And the Bible calls the return of Jesus Christ the blessed hope. In the New Testament, there was the, New, the, the Thessalonian church was concerned they'd missed the, the return of Jesus. Paul has to say to him, no, 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 no. If you missed it, I missed it also. Paul's saying, that's not true. We haven't missed the blessed hope. But keep serving, keep looking, keep growing, keep knowing. Why? Because one day your salvation will draw near. So he's saying, keep this hope alive. Fan the flames into action. Why? Because the moment you stop fanning the flame or watering the sea, your hope diminishes. And you can't live five minutes without hope. So we conceive. So Mary discovered in Luke 1, Mary, you have found favor with God, verse 30. You'll be with child and give birth to a son and, and you are able to, you, sorry, and you are to give him the name of Jesus. He'll be great and he'll be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him a throne of his father David and he will reign on his house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will be no end. So God planted this seed inside Mary to give her hope, to give her hope, to give the nation hope. And God woke her up by speaking this language and then he impregnates her. It's called the incarnate deity. It's called the virgin immaculate conception. Yes? It happened once. It only had to happen once. The immaculate conception. But, write this down. The moment you conceive, there is another word it doesn't mention in Song of Solomon, but I'm going to give it to you. You must perceive what you've conceived. So, ladies... Your body tells you certain signs or gives you certain signs when you're pregnant, does it not? Yeah. And it's God's way of, in the biological chain, of get, uh, letting the lady know that her body's changing and she can expect something to be birthed. Yeah. It's, whether it's, it's a monthly cycle or whatever, morning sickness or whatever it is, eating weird, strange food. Whatever it is, the body begins to tell the woman that, hey, something has changed. We've got life growing inside of us. Now it needs to be taken care of. So, now let's face it. Some ladies have no idea they're pregnant. So then, at some point, they get that sign thinking, you know what? I don't feel queasy inside. I've got a stomachache. I'll go to the doctor. The doctor says, get to the you're pregnant. And she says, I never knew. Well, how did you never know? But that's what happens. So some people are a little bit desensitized to what others are highly sensitive about. But when God puts something new inside of you, he wants you to perceive what you've conceived. If you do not perceive and understand, you do not take responsibility for and Mary understood this, and she said this in verse 34 of chapter 1. 
How will this be? Is that, is that a fair question to ask? You've just been told you're pregnant. You've not slept with anyone. I think it's a fair question to ask. Well, how's this going to be? You can imagine her eyes look rolling up and down in her head. How's this going to be? And, you, and, and Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, I'm glad you asked that question. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, she's going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth, um, barren in, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So age is not an issue. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. She perceived what she conceived. If I give Emma something and she has no concept of what I've given her, she'll walk around ignorant. Yes? That's why the Bible says the word, do not cast pearls before. Why? Because the swine has no value. It'll just trample it or eat it up. It has no sense of value. It's not, it's, ne- it's not in the animal's nature to have value. So you don't give the kids the key to the car or the keys to the kingdom. Why? They have no sense of value. So you wouldn't do that. So here's what the Bible's saying, is that I'm not going to give you something and not make you aware of it. Yeah? Yeah? But there's so many Christians unaware of what they carry. And because they're unaware, they live a carefree lifestyle. Do you understand that? A carefree lifestyle. They have no understanding. That's why kids, you'll see kids, some of these extreme sports. And you think to yourself, kids, if you understood the dangers, your whole life could be finished just for the thrill of some fun. True? Kids will take responsibility right to the maximum because they don't understand the meaning of life. They want fun and experience. But there is great responsibility with life. True? This is why we must understand it. So I want to just finish there on this point that from this point we must consider We must find this place called the apple tree. I found my Asda. You find yours. I found the legacy center next door. Every day when I come in, I go in that legacy center. What I like about that legacy center is I can shut the door, pull the shutter down, and you don't think anybody's in there. But all you need to know, heaven is being transacted with, with me in heaven. Why? It's my place. There's a coffee. There's coffee in there. Right? Coffee heaven, right? I don't eat the food in there. What's left over, I have my own dinners, right? But I found my place. If it's not Asda, it's the legacy center. You go and find yours. But when you find it, protect it. Because there God will impregnate you with something. God will wake you up. God will then begin to impregnate you with the future. The future creates hope. Amen? But you must perceive what's been put inside of you so you then can protect the future and protect your hope, guard your hope, and guard others who are involved in that hope. Because there's others in that hope. I know when God speaks to me, he always speaks to me about you. 
I very rarely pray about myself. I pray about you. So everything I pray to God about is about this house. I pray about you. And I see the future in us, and, but it's not Kesara Sara, because the future is ours to see. In the song, it wasn't. So let's stand to our feet, if we will, please. Let's bring this meeting to an end. We've got tea and coffee over there. Just help yourself. See, now you perceive it, you can move towards it. But if I yeah, hadn't have told you, you wouldn't have noticed it. You can't move towards it. That, cough, that machine's called Future Hope. It breaks down, we're in trouble. I'm manifest if the coffee's not... <laughs> but let's just, let's just think for a minute. Become sober for a second. If we're going to pay more careful attention to what we've heard, we also must make careful attention to what we're hearing because what I'm hearing right now becomes what I've heard. Does that make sense? What you've been hearing, you've just now heard because it's now past tense because I'm, I'm finishing. So what you're hearing, this is what you must become more careful about. What you've heard today from this day on, you must become careful. What? No, no, that's not the, that's not the scripture, but you're saying yes. The scripture says more careful. So carefulness should have already been factored into our life, but now it says more careful to what we've heard and to what we're hearing. Why? So we don't drift away. The issue is God does not want us to drift. God wants us to stay on track. And in that, to stay on track, we've got to find that place. And in that place, God will awaken. God will make us more sensitive. God will plant seeds. Because the final step is birth. Amen? Amen. So, what you should be asking now and I should be asking is, Lord, lead me to our place. Wake me up in that place. Show me. Shine the light in that place. The place where I have no light, shine the light on. Lord, I don't want to walk in darkness in my emotions in my thinking. I want to see what you see. I want to know what you know about me so I can make adjustments. Shine the light on in that place, Lord, so I can see. Make me aware of what I don't know so I can embrace my time and my season. I want to know you, Lord, like I've never known you before. I'm not happy just looking up to the heavens and saying, I wish, if you're up there, speak to me. No, I'm not up there, I'm inside of you. Stop looking up to the heavens and start appealing to the God who already lives within you. Hello, did you hear God? Stop looking up to the heavens, start speaking and appealing to the God who lives within you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you've never known him, then that's a good place to start. Call out to him and Jesus said you will be saved. Submit your life, repent. Give your life to Jesus. And he says, me and my father will then come and make our home with you. But if you've already done that and you're walking with God, then we are already in you. For greater is he that is in you. So appeal to the God who is in you. Amen. Father, open our eyes. Let's just raise our hands. Father, open our eyes to the things that we are unseen. 
Open our minds to the things unknown. Open our ears to the things unheard. Open our spirit to the things not yet captured. Shine the light on, Father. Shine your light, the light of your word. When I read your word this week, Lord, heaven's light will begin to shine on me and, and your word will begin to speak to me and show me things I'd never seen or heard or ever conceived before. Father, it's, going to, it's a new day. I've stepped into you. You've stepped into me. From this day, Father, from this moment, Lord, let hope arise. Let hope arise. Oh, Father. Right now, Father. Jesus, Jesus, Father. Come afresh. Waken us up. Waken us up. Waken us up. Waken me up, Lord, in my emotions, in my thoughts. Oh, Father, waken us up. Waken us up. Wake up, O sleeper, the word says. Rise from the dead. Rise from your slumber. Oh, mighty God. Mm. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. Mm. So, Father, bless our week. Lead us and guide us in all righteousness. And may the fellowship of the whole of the, of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. In Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Help yourselves to tea and coffee.